Good morning and welcome. This episode is about to get started. But before that, a few things you should know. First of all, this show is brought to you for free. To support, please consider sharing the episode with your friend, leaving a great review or signing up for my bi-monthly top five email. What is it? It's a free email that I craft twice a month and send out to thousands of you where I share what inspired me recently, books and film that had an impact on me, but also gear and tips and things I've been thinking about lately that really impacted me in a way. If you too want to join in on the fun, please visit ptl.fm forward slash top five, T-O-P five, and you will be in for the next edition. Now, last but not least, all podcast show notes are available at ptl.fm forward slash podcast. Thank you so much for being here and let's get started. Good morning, podcast, and welcome to a new episode. My name is Pierre T. Lambert. I'm a travel adventure photographer and the host of this show. Today, we have a special guest, and my guest today is Mr. Sean Lee. Sean is an entrepreneur. He started his life in the corporate world and decided quickly that it wasn't for him. Started a few businesses and right now is working on two alumni.fm and Clever. Dot fm is that correct sean that's correct and thanks okay. for having me on the show sean it's a real pleasure to have you so guys if you don't know sean lee you probably don't uh sean and i met back in paris i think 2014 i was beginning my entrepreneurial journey and ever since we've been really good friends he was kind of my first entrepreneur buddy where i thought i was a little crazy but then i met someone else that was crazy and i was like oh my god <laughs> this guy is amazing he has a business and he actually lives from it he's not employed by a corporation i didn't know we could do this so uh, ever since we had a friendship and every time we want to talk about very long discussions about stuff or nothing, sometimes uh, that's uh, who we, uh, that's who I, I call. So Sean, I wanted to have you on this podcast because this is the first episode of the re reboot of the podcast, if you want. I took a little break and I thought we could dig into interesting topics, random topics actually where you're at in your own journey and what's going to happen with the podcast. So before we go any further, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about your, your story. What's your background story? How did you end up in that interesting world of turning down 300k offers to pursue <laughs> something very insecure or seems insecure in life? Yeah, yeah. So I you know, started uh, as an entrepreneur, I think both times out of necessity. In many ways, and I say that because I kept graduating. Uh, so I went to school twice: once for my undergrad in finance, and then once for my MBA, also in finance and entrepreneurship. And I graduated both times into the uh, into like a downturn. <laughs> uh, the first oh. time was around 07, 08. This time was around you know 2020, uh, right into the pandemic, actually too. And you know during these times, I just find it's it's very opportunistic to see uh, new opportunities arise because the world is kind of falling apart in many ways, right? So there's a lot of room for new things to grow. Um, and so that's really what I think started the entrepreneurship journey for me or propelled it at least. I've always had an interest in entrepreneurship ever since reading, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, just mm -hmm. <laughs> like entrepreneurship books like that. Um, and I've always been just passionate about problem solving, you know, that's what entrepreneurship is to me, is trying to solve problems and create jobs and opportunities for other people. And so, you know, just driven by that, the first companies were around e-commerce. We sold, 
you know, automotive after uh, market accessories and things like that. But I feel like our core competency was actually in education. So, you know, we were able to ride kind of the, the first wave of YouTube back in 08, 09. Uh, yeah, you're like shooting, the OG producing. YouTubers. <laughs> I don't know about that, but we, you know, we, it, it wasn't about, you know, uh, back then, at least for us, we had never thought to build a brand or identity around ourselves. It mm-hmm. was leveraging as a platform to uh, sell our products, right? And so we shot hundreds of DIY, do-it-yourself how-to videos, uh, showing people how to change light bulbs in their car for like every it single car. Would be funny if some <laughs> of the the listeners are like, "Oh, I've seen I've seen those videos." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want to check it out, I mean, they're still out there on Xenon Supply and Precision LED. Um, so yeah, that's that's you know, so I've I've been in the media world through and through, and even opened up a co-working space in downtown LA to um, further promote and build community around entrepreneurship and media. Um, so that's kind of my little background before I got into the podcasting world. What is it? What, was it easy for you? Like when you were working, maybe when you got your first job, were you instantly like, I need to quit or did it come slowly? I think, I think it came slowly, especially in my first two jobs out of college, you know, I worked in finance and business development. I would say it came slowly because, and this is kind of my advice when a lot of entrepreneurs ask me if they should quit their jobs, right, is, you know, really depends on your personal financial situation. Yeah. Uh, for me at the time, having been right out of college, I needed a job, mm-hmm. right? I couldn't afford to just dive into a startup. And so we were building the startup, the e-commerce business for 18 months hmm. before I quit my job. And, um, during that time, you know, I would work, you know, my regular nine to five, come home and then continue working from six to, you know, one or two o'clock. And then sometimes during my lunch break, actually all the time, (laughs) this was like 14, 15 years ago during my lunch break, I would answer customer calls, you know, call them back or email them back. And it was, it was, uh, it was fun though at the time it didn't, you know, you're a single, uh, we we didn't have a kid right, like we do now uh so it was it was totally fine but yeah, yeah because i, I definitely context, encourage both people to you do and i both you and i basically had our kids almost kind of like within like six months so we're yeah. we're very much into the same kind of journey uh, when it comes to parenting yeah that's right did you but yeah were you, so were you doing that out of your room or yeah we were doing it out of my out of my apartment uh, funny enough, because Facebook. There wasn't drop shipping in 208, 208 or 209, no? No, no, no. Thing, uh, I mean, I'm but, sure there was some yeah. sort of it, but not at the scale that uh, Amazon had built or mm. um, that exists today. But yeah, we were just doing it on my apartment. And it's, there's one thing that Facebook is great for um, it's reminding us of the photos that we took like 10, 12, 15 years ago. And yeah. the other day, this is literally last week, it showed me a photo. Uh, of the first time we moved the inventory and like the the racks into my my apartment <laughs> and i had written the, the the post was you know um this is how you build an empire one box at a time <laughs> <laughs> would that still apply today uh yeah i mean it's, it, it, i think it, it definitely applies yeah you, you build an empire you build a business you know one step at a time people I feel like sometimes get too far ahead of themselves. Yeah. We'll talk more about that later. Yeah, we we definitely can. 
but you know, a little bit, I actually want to ask you a question, Pierre, you know, what, in terms of rebooting this podcast, you know, what do you envision for this reboot? Will it be very different from how things were mm. before or thematically will it be a little bit different? Well, that's a good question. Um, I think I've always loved the podcast, like really, because it's a great way to connect, listen to other people's stories and like dive into stuff that you wouldn't talk about in a five minute video or, or 10 minutes. And and what I create for for YouTube is very catered and very uh, niched out in a way. It's just photography. And what I really want is just to expand that a little bit, go a little broader to my interest. And it already happened with the first 55 episodes where it really started with just photography. But you can't really talk about photography and, pe and people with them about photography without talking about their life and what tools helped them in their life and, and what, right. what was the turning points and how they got there. So I'm really much more interested in the stories behind and, and sharing that and bringing on guests that I think can add into our own journeys, whether it's as creative, whether it's an entrepreneur or, or, you know, like whatever you're doing in life, I feel like there's so many tools because that can be helpful. And I really want to focus on that. So I'm bringing you on, and if you're cool with that, I think we'll do a few throughout a year or two together, uh, maybe to check up on how things are going on both sides. And yeah, we'll love that. We'll talk about your 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 new business and and how that's going because I, I think it's cool to document that. And also in terms of tools, and what I realized is that a lot of people think creativity is is just art. But it's so much more than that. You know, it's like how you cook. It's uh, how you design your own life. It's uh, how you run a business. It's like it applies in everything. It doesn't have to be just photography. So the tools that we use as photographers or as artists can also translate to other places. And um, so I want to dig into some of those. And uh, just to give you a sneak peek, I'm actually searching because I, I pro you probably know, but uh, psychedelics have come very mainstream in a way or like especially lately and right. we kind of know but without knowing that it's always been like used creatively steve jobs talked about it and but i feel like it's never been expressed in a with with some experts saying like okay this is how it works or this is how it can be used creatively so i'm actually searching for example for a few guests around that topic so i can mm. explore that because um, whether it's the French, you know, poets who used to drink certain drinks uh, or certain wines back in Paris and Montmartre to write or like others in, in different places of the world. Uh, I feel like there's always been a lot of tools that tools, good or bad, whatever you want to see it, to actually bring up some emotions to translate into uh, creative work. And um, I'm just kind of curious around that space. I, I want to hear it from people who actually studied that and uh, worked in that field for a very long time and not just <laughs> some some dude who's like, oh yeah, I took mushroom once and then I started painting on my wall and it was pretty. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I, I'd like to have a more thorough, thorough approach, especially because there's a lot of things that can go great and bad about things like that. So I think it has to be right. important. And then I want to bring out uh, other entrepreneurs also, people in, in their own different space and... Uh, uh, I have a few other guests scheduled that will be also around the world of NFTs or, and it's not just NFT, it's more like them as artists, but using a new medium to actually uh, share their art. I think that's important, you know, 
It's it's something that came up. It's fairly recent. I already had one guest before in March 2020, I think, around that, uh, Ted Chin. And what's the status now that it's almost like nine months later? How does it work? How did it work for them? And did it change their life? How do they see the future? So I want to really dig into that and we'll bring other uh, guests that I, I feel like are interesting. I want to keep it very wide and and I want to take people on that journey of you and me. We know very much like how diverse our interests can be. It can be yeah. anything from like geeking around music or photography to suddenly we're talking about, I don't know, psychology and like <laughs> child development. And, and then next thing it's cars or Philosophy. travel or or yeah, yeah or money or like <laughs> minimalism like how how should we not buy stuff <laughs> or should we buy stuff yeah i don't know there's so much uh and hopefully people are interested and if i don't expect people to be interested in everything but if they can get something out of every episode or at least one person can get something out of it i think it's a good way to go i think that makes sense too and i love how the the show is called the ptl show so really it's it's not you know limiting to anything yeah, well, that's that was difficult to to choose the title, you know. Uh, uh, back when I started 2018, I was like, "What's gonna be the title?" And I was like, "It could be Pierre, but then it's gonna be my name." You can't really, if you think like a business, you can't brand it and and like, for example, pass it on or like expand it differently. It's still tied to your name, which just like if you're a photographer, do you want to call yourself studio XYZ or do you want to call it just your name, you know, more like artist style, but then you understand that you can't right. resell your studio if it's your name. You can sell maybe some branding around it, but that's it. So um, again, I'm, I'm kind of thinking more like, <laughs> like a startup because uh, you think about like how, not exit, but like how do you expand or, or how do you scale? So yeah, I thought it was a good Give way to just second. keep it for me. Give me one second. I don't know if you hear that. There's like some construction outside. Nope. Nothing at anything? all. Okay. No. I just want to close that door. Yeah, no, we can't. No, that's, I think that's, that's great. That's amazing that, you know, um, you think about these things because I feel like in many ways, it's good that you think about the branding, right? Um, but at the same time, it can become a curse for some yeah. entrepreneurs in the beginning. And I have firsthand experience of this is, you know, that becomes kind of the excuse for not starting something it's because you can't <laughs> I figure need out a logo. You know, I need a name. what I need is a my logo. Yeah. What's my name? What's my domain name? What's my logo? Um, and so I, I definitely think people should be more thoughtful about it. But yeah. my advice around that is if people finding or find themselves being stuck on that, then they need to move on from it. And just pick anything. <laughs> yeah. Go. Quick uh, secret, guys. Sean probably has a hundred domains. <laughs> <laughs> From every time he has an idea, <laughs> he's like, "Hey, Pierre, I just bought this domain." <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact. Yeah. Now you need to buy them on .eth for Ethereum. Is that is that the new thing? Oh yeah, it is. And and actually the 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 the, prog uh, the program. How do you call that? The protocol. That's .eth that they launched um, a while ago, actually just started giving out tokens to to holders of domains to reward the first user. So we're getting a little like a uh, blockchain here, but uh, it allows you to have a, a domain name on the Ethereum web 3.0 basically. And they gave out tokens and those tokens were worth a lot of money on the launch, which was crazy. So you bought a, uh, 
$50 domain name and because you were so early, they rewarded you and they gave out the tokens. But the tokens gave you a right to vote on how the protocol will work in the future and how it should integrate with current DNS protocols. And it's, it's very interesting. They're trying to make it like a decentralized autonomous organization a little bit by giving out those tokens and giving people the right to vote. Obviously, you could sell them and they were they were trading between like, I think they started at 30 and they went up to 80 on the day of launch. So if you receive like, I think if you had a domain that wasn't linked to you, you would receive like maybe 180 uh, tokens. If you do that time 50, that's a lot of money. Anyway, so that's besides the points. I was like, what? But crypto world is very strange. I I can't really speak too much about it because I'm I'm looking... I'm in it, but looking more like from outside. I, I'm not an expert in anything, so uh, I don't want to put people on the wrong tracks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think NFT is something we can talk more about too. That's yeah, because I'm very, very interested in how you think about that for your, your new business for Clever and like how it could potentially... I, I don't know how much you've looked into those things right now, but uh, I think it could be interesting. So why don't you tell us, we have a few guys, so we have a few topics um, that we, we listed that we want to go through. I think the first one we could do is, um, is simply talking about a little bit clever and what clever is and how it might help. Because if you are listening to the podcast right now, you're, I think it's 70% chance you're listening on Apple Podcasts, <laughs> probably 20% chance you're on Google Podcasts. Oh no, 20% on Spotify and 10% on uh, on uh, Google Podcasts, I think. Something like that. And then there is residual other apps. So tell us what what is Clever, Sean. Yeah, Clever was born out of a frustration with existing podcast apps. And the frustration was focused uh, from the host perspective, from the creator mm-hmm. perspective. Um, you know, I started a podcast a uh, little bit before, I think you started yours back in 2017 uh, when I was doing my MBA at Berkeley. And, you know, I was, I remember very distinctly applying for Berkeley and looking for a podcast to listen to. And I was just shocked that they didn't have a podcast, right? Huh. This school being in the Bay Area, um, pretty, you know, top brand name school. And so once I got on campus, I was additionally frustrated that it was horribly inefficient to network. You know, the purpose of going to the MBA is, is networking, uh, at least yeah. for me it was. And, you know, I was doing these one-on-one intros. And so I ended up thinking, you know, I have this experience with YouTube video production. How hard could producing podcasts be, right, with yeah. audio? And so I just started recording uh, people that I was meeting and sharing their stories with the community to be more efficient mm-hmm. about the whole process. Um, and I, you know, continued creating podcasts just as a side passion project for the next, you know, two, three years. And then the university asked me to do an alumni podcast focused on just interviewing alumni. And I thought, you know, this is uh, amazing and all, but, you know, I didn't come to the MBA to do podcasting. Uh, I came to the MBA to network uh, and, you know, up in the Bay Area specifically to figure out uh, a tech enabled mm-hmm. business to build, right? Because all my prior businesses were very much lifestyle, you know, uh, businesses, not a tech enabled business. Um, and so this is kind of where I was looking at all the pain points around me. And I noticed as a podcast host, there's no way to interact or engage your audience. 
Hmm. Right. For people listening right now, you know, the fact that we mentioned NFTs, we mentioned uh, psilocybin, you know, we mentioned a bunch of things already. There's no way for you to go quickly click through and read up on these things. Right. You literally yeah. have to go Google search it. Uh, and if we mention a book, you have to go find it on Amazon. If we mention another podcast or episode, you have to go search for that. And it just really bugged me that you're listening to podcasts on a smartphone or smart device on a dumb app. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you, you might as well it's be listening on like radio. It's almost like a radio. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's literally, it hasn't changed from radio. And I yeah, actually heard the hasn't. difference between, I heard the, the change, like someone was explaining on Tim Ferriss' podcast, the changes between Web 1.0, 2.0 and 3.0. And it was like, basically Web 1.0 is they would put up magazines <laughs> from the real world, boom, and show it on there. And I feel like podcast is literally taking radio and putting it on there. The only difference is you can choose what, what, which one you listen to. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so that, that's what we initially set out to change was just to okay. make it more interactive. Mm -hmm. How, you know, we've built a business so far in the first six months now uh, of our startup. You know, we fundraised back in June and, um, and now we're just continuing to, to build on this. We launched the app, you know, two weeks ago publicly on the Google and Apple app stores. And our big push right now is thinking about how we can help podcast hopes activate their super fans hmm. being a platform think about like reddit or twitch or instagram yeah. in the early days right these platforms were for super users people who were creating um and curating content right people who were actively posting their amazing photography on instagram like yeah. these are the people we want to activate in the podcast community like they don't have a space right mm -hmm. now they have to go to reddit they have to go to discord they have to go to all these other places um to help kind of curate or moderate the podcast yeah. right, and build community. We're thinking, why can't you just build the community inside a podcast app, right? Yeah, why just can't like, you curate so the So in a way like YouTube is for, for video where I, I have the community and, and we have the comments where we can exchange around it, uh, which, which it doesn't exist. It's true. It's true. Um, I, I'm, I'm just going to give a few teasers to, to everyone here. Because I've been using the app for a while, right? And if I fully disclose, uh, I supported the project a little bit also. And it's very, I love the app for several reasons. Because, so there is a, you're talking about the community aspect, but the first thing that I love personally is that I can take highlights at any point during a podcast. And if you've ever listened, no matter what we mention, you're like, oh, I have no clue what just they just said here. Like, what did they talk about? How how do you how do you even like go back to it? You maybe I, I don't know I'm, I might be driving or I have no clue to know where it was. And if you've ever tried to scroll through a podcast, it's just it just doesn't work. So here you can actually take smart notes and right from the app, it's gonna highlight and it's gonna transcribe. So it's even better than Audible. If you've used Audible where you add bookmarks, this actually transcribes automatically and then you can highlight the part that you want later on and then you can export your notes. And, and that is so helpful because I go to my highlights and then I'm like, oh, those are all my highlights from, from, from different podcasts. And then I can send it to Sean and be like, dude, listen to this <laughs> podcast. I don't have to send you the whole episode. I can send you the excerpt that I think is interesting or the timestamp. And just that part is, is fascinating to me. And for the community, even with my podcast, I'm actually interested to see where people engage 
the most or like what triggers the most discussion you know not in a bad way but but like if if you're building the community behind it or like the, that ability to have a community people will be talking about certain parts in the podcast you know it's like you go to a show with a bunch of friends and then you come out of the show you're going to be oh this this we remember when he did that or when they talked about it it's just so interesting you know that part is cool yeah i mean it's funny you mentioned these highlight features and they are amazing for um for people to use yeah. to be able to bookmark and highlight and go back to but one thing that i th think a lot of people don't realize when they first come on the app and and look at how does this feature actually enable community right mm. is that when you look at kindle when you look at medium right if a hundred people highlight the same part oh, right, it gets yeah. surfaced as yeah. oh this is a popular moment yes and it's 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 that kind of social proof that also helps you know drive um the, the platform and the medium right it makes it so that yeah. you can share things easier because you can share your highlights with the community which is Right. Which then shows you like, oh, that really hit a bell with a lot of people. people. Exactly. Right now, as podcast hosts, we have to guess what might be yes. interesting. And then we will highlight that part and create an audiogram and share it on social media. Right. Mm -hmm. What if we could get the community right, to, to do decide. it? Right. They decide what's interesting. Right? Which is what that Gary did for a while. He was like, okay, timestamp what part on Twitter or whatever which part was the most relevant. But that's like so much work as a listener versus just tapping a button. Uh, exactly. I also love the smart cards. Uh, we're not, it's, it's basically allows you, so if you go to a show, we've got the Tim Ferriss, for example, it just shows you all the things that were highlighted, like books and stuff, and then you just tap on one and it's just going to give you uh, all the details if you want about it, which I found like right. fascinating because you just go to a book or whatever, And uh, you're like, okay, cool. Uh, this is finally the book. You see, I tapped on the book and it takes me straight to Amazon or whatever. And you were, I don't know if that's still the case, but you were talking about uh, allowing people to actually earn maybe something. Yeah, we, you know, this is, this is part of our drive to help podcast hosts activate their super fans, right? You go to a Twitch show, you go to a Reddit, you know, forum. There are these, you know, moderators, Just like yeah. Yelp Elite, there are contributors, people that volunteer their time and go out of their way to help contribute and help curate the internet, right? These are the people we really want to activate in the podcasting world. Yeah. And to the extent that we're actually even willing to pay them to do it. And I'll tell you why. Mm. We pay, you know, as a podcast host, I pay anywhere between $50 to $60 for an hour episode to transcribe the episode, right? To mm -hmm. have it white glove transcribed by a human, Um And the thing is that, like, why can't we pay $50, $60 for our community to help us find interesting moments and highlights and link yeah. links to, like, interesting things? And I say this because what this ultimately does is it surfaces what this content is about, right? Got it. When people on YouTube in the comments list out the chapter markers, right, before YouTube actually introduced the chapter markers themselves, mm -hmm. right, that helps curate what was in this 10 15 20 30 minute um yeah. video right so now you know what's in there uh so that you can make deep linking possible right now podcasting is a black box you don't know what's in this 30 minute episode right all you have to go off of when you search <laughs> yeah, yeah all you have to go off of when you search is just the title and the description 
right? And so another thing that is, is, a, is a new feature, it's a little bit hidden because it's not activated for every podcast, is that you can actually search in transcripts in mm. our app. If the show's host gives us a transcript, when you go to that show, you can actually search the transcript in addition to the title and description. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. that's interesting. That's super helpful because, for example, I like Tim Ferriss' podcast. I mentioned it a few times now. Uh, there's just so much content. Sometimes I have to go to his blog. Uh, I will go to his blog if I'm looking for something specific and look through the the transcript, which which is good that we go to, to the people's blog. But if you can make it a little faster, especially through the app, that's, that's really good. Uh, yeah. I'm excited for this. I'm excited for this. Uh, I, so... If you're listening and you're excited, I think the app is public, no? Yes, it's public. Okay. Yeah. So it's called Clever Clever on App Store? Clever.fm. You can search for Clever Podcast. But okay. if you just search Clever FM, uh, just like the radio, you know, FM radio, uh, you will find it in the App Store. Radio killed the radio. I <laughs> know <laughs> oh, it's Radio Killed the Radio Stars, right? <laughs> yeah uh uh that's awesome dude I'm, I'm so excited do you uh yeah i don't know it's still early in the game in in the journey that i feel like dude, there's gonna be so many like episodes around that um around that journey for you did you uh was it difficult to build your team around it yes <laughs> i think it, it wasn't very difficult finding my co-founder um okay. it was very serendipitous in in some ways and you know a lot of things happen i would say by chance but mm -hmm. i'm not a huge believer on chance and luck right yeah. I'm, i am one of the people that believe you know fortune favors the prepared uh and so and so you know i was networking a lot and making a lot of connections i ended up meeting my co-founder because i interviewed his wife on the mm -hmm. haas podcast three years prior you know because she was a another a fellow haas student And yeah. so in many ways, you're just like, was that by chance or was that by design? Because I was very intentional about creating a podcast for the community, yeah. right? Um, and so, yeah, I, I just, I've always been a big believer that, you know, you, you just keep doing things that um, make sense to you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't second guess yourself too much and just be consistent. Uh, and I think I learned a little bit of that from you as well when you were doing your, um, your initial I think it was initially I started maybe as a 30 day challenge for your vlog, right? And oh, it turned wow. into two years, I yeah. think, or not three. And then, and then you pushed me to do like a 30 day vlogging challenge. And, you know, I shot a, a daily vlog for 45 days straight. Um, and many times, like, you're just like, why am I doing this by the third day? No one's watching. <laughs> got 25 this, you know? views. <laughs> right? Same with the podcast. In the beginning, it's like, who's listening to this? Right? But yeah. you just keep at it because you, You realize that, you know, this is interesting. I want to learn something new. I want to challenge myself in new ways. Um, and then, you know, magical things will come out of it. What that magical thing is, you never know. But yeah. I think you just got to have faith that everything that you do in life um, will accumulate and will add up to something amazing as long as you are active and learning new things. Do you need to be active or can you be passive? By active, I mean uh, just you know responding yeah or, res or responding or just yeah yeah being present yeah yeah um not how do i put this it's yeah being i think being responsive and present is actually the best wording for it i see what like you if mean. an opportunity presents itself you know you you take it <laughs> yeah it's a little bit like yeah. uh 
Michael Singer's uh, in Michael Singer's book when he's talking about just going with what the universe kind of wants or like what is presented to him that is saying oh you need my help on this or you need me to do this you know like people hey we want your help on that and not going against it saying no I don't want to I don't have time but actually going like well that opportunity presents itself it probably means I might have to go in that direction for now you know and and going with the flow it's you just you just remind me of actually why I started the podcast Uh, I listed a bunch of reasons yeah. earlier and those were the reasons in my own head as to why mm. I justified it right but the actual catalyst for it was that there was this new position in the MBA program called interprogram relations um, VP of interprogram relations and the whole idea was you know we have for most MBAs there are three programs there's a full-time program there's a part-time program and then there's an executive MBA program mm-hmm. and across all three pro- programs at Berkeley there are about 1500 students right and so my role taking that on was to help connect the different programs. And, you know, a lot of ideas that were thrown out were, you know, let's create parties or create big events. But then I realized like for any kind of event, you need a catalyst. You need a reason for people to show up, mm-hmm. right? You don't just say networking event. And it's like, cool, right? <laughs> Most people don't show up to that because there's no purpose to it. Um, and that was actually the catalyst and the opportunity to say, all right, maybe a podcast might be a great way to, to do this, to record yeah. people's stories so that they can hear about each other in different programs. Wow, forgot about that. Which came in really handy with COVID after. Yes, <laughs> three years later, yeah. <laughs> but it, but that, that's what you, that's what like anyone, you know, it's the same, like if I have students who participate in the 30-day program to get photos, it's the same thing, you know. You don't know when you're going to take that, that like step, just maybe for fun, you don't know what it means a year or two later, you know. Yeah. And that, that's where it's beautiful in a way. And that's why I highly recommend anyone to always tap into that curiosity. I think it's more curiosity than anything else, you know, and feeding it. Like, oh, I wonder what happened if I did this. Well, let's just try, you know. You don't have to go, like, quit your life and go live in the, under a rock for six years. You can just, why don't I, I, I start a podcast on the side, you know, and uh, I'll do it a little later. I'll drop maybe one or two TV shows and, and voila. <laughs> <laughs> not saying that everyone has watches tv shows i barely have i i don't think i've watched much uh i've watched ted lasso lately but that's that's i think i we picked with trina one tv show every six months or every year that we're gonna watch and, and that's pretty much it because since we have a kid i mean you know it it's like downtime is <laughs> is is very scarce and you're like wow yeah do you feel oh by the way do you feel like you became more efficient with work since you you became a dad i don't know hmm. I, I i've been struggling a lot with fatherhood lately um you know miles is i think three months behind kira and so i'm like always feel like i'm three months like uh, when i talk to Pierre, i'm talking to the third person now when i talk to you i feel like uh i'm talking to someone in the future right it's like it's like when you were talking to me Sean, this back in the day it's this like speak. it's like what? Pierre, tell me what the future is like with this baby right <laughs> three months from now what are they gonna be like um i feel like i've been struggling a lot lately about fatherhood because you know miles is 22 months as of this recording and i just really want to engage with him more and play with him more he's so much more playful interactive um and I probably shouldn't say this, but, you know, 12 months ago, he was more like a potato. 
you know <laughs> oh it's people. fine they're, they're they're very cute potatoes you can move them around yeah. but uh but that's really what i've been grappling more with is uh just my desire to want to spend more time with them mm. am i becoming more efficient at work hard to say i definitely i would say i've definitely become more accepting of what i can and cannot accomplish at work in a day mm. uh not in totality just for this day right and not beating myself up for it, giving myself grace that, look, like I'm working not for the sake of working. I'm not building a startup for the sake of building a startup, but building a startup too, because, you know, I want to spend time with my family. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm very fortunate and lucky that I have a business partner who also values, you know, personal time. And um, even though, yes, this is like a high intensity tech startup, right? We are investor backed. There's a lot of expectations and there needs to be a lot of forward momentum. Um, that we also balance it out that, you know, you can have a family, you can have a life and still have a startup. So that's, yeah. that's something I feel like we've been able to balance out well. Yeah. It's, it's important. And it's, I get the, where you want to spend time with them, you know, I, honestly, they're just very fun. And the biggest lessons I've, I've learned so far is just like observing what the human is before all the filters and the, the certain crap and non-crap that we integrate in our operating system and that's something i wanted to talk about i actually shared that i think on i talked about it a little bit on instagram the other day um and i talked about it on the in the newsletter it's the the whole concept of earned learning behaviors you know and when you look at a child and when i look at my daughter i'm like this thing is so pure innocent you know like like up to a certain point but and you just see it's like a mirror and every time you do something they do the same thing and whenever it's whether it's good or bad and it's literally a mirror that doesn't care doesn't judge in that sense where they just do the same thing and they have no concept mm -hmm. of like this is a good thing or bad thing so then suddenly you're like oh uh maybe that's not how i want to present myself or that's not the thing i want to do you know and it just questions yeah. also everything that you've been doing it's almost like you were shooting with your camera or you were like cooking a certain way your whole life and suddenly someone comes in and is like well why don't you use your left hand to do it and you're like no 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 that's bad and <laughs> or that's not right you know yeah. and then you're like well actually wh why isn't it you know it looks like it's working fine for you like wh what makes me trigger so much like who told me or like who made me believe that it was only this way um i find it so fascinating no it's true okay unlearning true. have you have you noticed that it's something like the older i grow the more i realize how much i, I call it my operating system the, that layer of filters we have uh trained responses to um stimulus if you want if someone tells you something you're going to respond a certain way if that triggers memories of your parents responding to each other a certain way you probably most likely we'll go there or maybe mimic that just like our kids mimic us. Um, I, I just become more and more aware of how much of that we have, Sean. And I'm sometimes a little wor not worried, but I'm like, oh, wow. So I feel like there is a lot to unpack uh, personally. And uh, I'm wondering if you've went through that unlearning process on certain things also and how you go through it. Yeah, when I, when I saw this question, I put some thought into it. And what I realize is that my, at least how I operate, my uh, MO 
is that I don't try to unlearn something um, because it's like then I'm putting attention and time focusing on something I don't want, right? Mm. Instead, I will immediately try to figure out how do I replace this behavior? What, what is something I do want? What is a behavior or habit that I do want? And I'll focus on, you know, um, on what, what's the word? Growing that aspect. Yes. Um, and so that's, that's kind of how I approach it personally. And I don't know when I learned to do that. Um, yeah, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I can't think back to, you know, how I learned to do that. But that's, that's just my, my approach to it. And so, so yeah. So it's it's a sorry little, that, that was a very very concise answer because I th- really put a lot of thought into it. No, but I, I think it's it's really it, it sounds exactly like you're telling someone don't do this versus okay do this you know, and yeah. it puts in faces on like no stop stop doing this versus actually this is how you could do it, and I think it's great I, I like that idea because we. I mean, I think maybe I learned this a little bit from you as well, at least from a parenting perspective. You know, when Miles acts out, right, when he has a tantrum or when he does something we don't want him to do, um, you know, it's it's less so about, hey, stop doing that or don't do that. It's more so, hey, look at this other thing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, uh, and then they forget, right? Or like when they literally throw a tantrum, I just, I just think it's the funniest thing because I don't know if I learned this from meditation, but I just look at it. I take a step back and I look at it. I'm like, this is the funniest thing, right? Versus yeah. being annoyed like, oh, you're not acting the way I expect you or I want you to act, which is like, stop crying, stop doing this, stop doing that, right? Because uh, that's what I want, right? Um, I definitely learned <laughs> And then that adults pay thousands bit. to go into therapy to cry with that therapist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I just like take a step. I'm like, dude, this is hilarious. And I look at Mink and we both laugh. We're just like, this kid is acting so funny. Like <laughs> he is just like throwing himself on the flopping on the floor like a dead fish. And, uh, and so anyway, you know, coming back to the conversation, it's like, yes, it's, it's not about, you know, what we don't want him to do. It's about, you know, what are some behaviors we want him, you know, we would like for him to to switch to right that is more let's say more um just not throwing a tantrum and so yeah. it, it we and we find it it's it's quite easy like you know kids are very present right and that's that's the that's the one thing that you know you've told me about that i didn't know that kids don't have at least the toddlers they don't have sense of time um that five minutes or five hours is quite you know it's the same to them so they're yeah. just literally in the present and that's something that i keep with me every single day when I think about things I want to change, right? Um, things I want to unlearn. It's like, yeah, I'm just going to be oh, present. It's about fascinating. What I, I love it. Right I love it. I'll probably change my phrasing after that conversation about unlearning because you're right. It's not about unlearning. It's and obviously unlearning for me is more like this is what I want to deconstruct and reconstruct in a way, mm. you know. But it's more about I don't even know if we need to deconstruct it necessarily. I don't know, but if I think like a computer, I'm like, sometimes you need to defragment that, that hard drive. Although with SSD, I don't <laughs> think you need to do it anymore. <laughs> no, no, you need to upgrade SSDs. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just change the SSD. Um, and then it's, it's, it's fascinating because I think it translates in every aspect. It also transpired, it trans, trans, uh, transpired in creativity and, and like creative work because it's almost like, don't do this don't shoot with your right hand you know don't use that button to trigger something don't don't work in corporate 
don't do this no instead it's like you can't you can't start a business if you want to be independent you can't be independent if you're thinking don't be dependent you know you have to be like okay start a business work on the business it's not like don't work in that company yeah 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 (laughs) it's like like telling yourself to not be depressed like don't be sad it's like yeah and and there is a huge thing around that uh which i've learned i i got to experientially understand finally you know it's it's one of those concepts you can read about it i don't know if you read tara brock uh which was radical acceptance and stuff but i've i've started to see patterns where uh, a lot of people will tell like they will talk in mindfulness it's it's not about controlling or like an emotion or it's not about like putting it down or avoiding it or like saying bye to it it's more about first step is just recognizing it and just accepting it you know and just accepting that you might be angry you might be depressed or whatever just accepting what is right now without it's not judgment we all judge in a way but it's more like accepting what is you know it doesn't matter whether you think it's good or bad it's just like hey recognize that thought is here that idea is here and the moment that i feel like i recognize that it's almost like there was an elephant in the room that's been dancing for six hours that wants your attention, just like your kid is having a tantrum and you're ignoring it. What happens? It just gets louder and louder until it breaks everything. And it's like, hey, I'm, I'm here. You don't just, just freaking look at me and say I exist. So yeah. then you're like, oh, okay, you're here. I see you. Cool. I see you <laughs> now what's up what do you what do you want me to put attention on you know what are you trying to tell yeah. me here you know i i see you maybe we can work we can act on this maybe we can't you know but in either case i see you i hear you and that makes you feel good it's if you've ever been public speaking or if you've been, been in the classroom and you're reading a poem and everyone looks in the other directions it's very frustrating uh, public speaking experience right <laughs> you probably yeah. think it's it sucks but if people give you their attention suddenly you you feel better about it you know or if they give that's you right. too much attention you might feel shy <laughs> <laughs> but that's different um so I, I think it's it's a little bit the same so i'm going in like a different world here but um i think it's the same if whatever you're trying to do in life or whatever triggers you deeply uh, it might be just uh, something that needs your attention in that moment. Yeah, I agree. So we can un- unlearn that. Uh, no, I'm joking. We don't have to unlearn <laughs> it. <laughs> we just bring attention to what is and what, and then shift it to towards something we want. I think yeah. our kids are the best example for that. So sorry, guys, this is turning into the dad's podcast, but <laughs> 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 this is great. Uh, speaking of, I wanted to... Okay, I wanted to take a, a little stab at something that we wrote down, which was the most useful tool uh, under $100 or $150. Uh, and your cat cannot be one of them. Sean's cat just walked in the frame. Uh, so, Sean, I'll let you go for it first because <laughs> this was a very challenging question for you. Yeah, it's... Uh, and I was telling you, it was very challenging because I the only thing I bought recently that was a tool was my was a new macbook pro is the m1 <laughs> macbook pros um uh maybe yeah m- maybe the most useful thing that i bought that was under a hundred dollars was a a pair of climbing shoes hmm. something you know to help me be more active um in you know p- 
pursuing something that I think is, uh, is very physically challenging. And, um, the thing I love about it is whenever I have a big problem at work, you know, with a startup, especially, and I just think this is like, this is a, a mountain of a problem. I go to the climbing gym, I get on the rope and, you know, I'm three stories off the ground. I'm like, all my problems seem so small right now. <laughs> I'm gonna compared to this, this. Bro, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my hands are shaking. Uh, yeah, exactly. My my grip is falling apart, and you know, even though I'm safe, I want to make it to the top. Um, that really puts a lot of things in perspective. So that that's probably the the most useful tool that I've purchased lately. I mean, there's one tool. If we're talking about software too, mm-hmm. by the way, and I have to promote this company because I think they're they're freaking awesome. It's this Japanese developer. Um, they make this tool called Steer Mouse for the Mac, right? Steer Mac mouse. is very enclosed ecosystems, but Steer, S-T-E-E-R, mouse. And yeah. it's like a $30 utility tool that allows you to uh, map any of the the Mac, you know, uh, features, right? Yeah. Like opening up the desktop that you would have on the, 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 mm-hmm. the pad. You can mm-hmm. map it onto any mouse with multiple buttons. Oh, yeah, so I can use a different mouse. I thought that was like something I bought recently. That was really good. I actually love the this thing, the pad, the what is it called? I don't know. It's the magic pad. Is that what it's called? <laughs> I mean, just, the, it's just magic. Uh, Add a magic to it. Magic keyboard, magic there we mouse, go. magic pad. It's it's basically <laughs> the size of the the pad that's on the computer on the laptop itself. And ever since I went to a Mac and used their pads. Even for, for like editing photos, editing videos, I've never ever gone back to a mouse. Like I just find the mouse so cumbersome. It is. In a way. Well, definitely for when I was doing audio editing and video editing, yeah, I would love the Magic Pad. Um, but without any of that stuff, it just, for me personally, just too much like wrist strain. Um, and now this podcast oh. is turning into the, the Apple fanboy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Oh well, no! Yeah, Apple. because I, I'm an ex. I'm an ex anti Apple in a way. <laughs> so. Tell us about your tool. What, what's the most useful tool you purchased? Okay, under a hundred dollars. I mean, inflation is pretty high. So I don't know how you how you kept that hundred dollar number, but <laughs> I don't know. I think it uh, it has to increase every every two weeks whenever the Fed prints a little more money. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, definitely my my Magic Pad was like really cool. Although Trina got it for herself, my wife, for her work, and then she didn't like it. So I'm like, this is for me. It's perfect. I love it. Um, I I will say under $100, the most useful things that I found recently was, uh, it's just my photography backpack clip that I use every single single time. I've mentioned that tool so many times, but it's just... I just bought one more in New York. That's why I mention it again, because it's something that I, will, I use every single time I go shoot. It just like clips under the Peak Design one. Uh, you can find the reference on pietilambert.com forward slash gear or type Pierre's gear, uh, Pieti Lambert gear on, YouTube, on Google. You'll find it too. Uh, it's, it's a clip and you, then I attach my camera here and it frees my hand, but also I can like shift it to a tripod and I don't know if it's literally one of those tools that I move on every single camera. So I finally got an extra one. So now I have three, which sounds very overkill when you sometimes, but I have two backpacks, one for traveling and one for like day, day things. And like having to unclip them and move them around was just a hassle. And I forgot one when I was in New York. So I'm like, 
let's mm. go let's go buy one uh that was very yeah. very helpful it's maybe around 70 bucks i think 70 80 it's not cheap but it's one of those tools like i use it so much that it is worth every single cent that i i spent on it you know yeah um yeah, it's it's always so surprising, you know, like how your v- perception of value changes depending on how yeah. you use it. You, before you use it, you're like, "That's way too much money," and then you use yeah. it, you're like, "Oh wow, <laughs> this is this is so well made. Like, I love it." Um, and then I recently got this, like actually yesterday. Uh, but this is more than this is more than one hundred fifty dollar. Is that this the is, molecule thing? No, it's a Bose uh, smart speaker. They call it. So it oh. also has the Google Assistant and everything built in. So it's it's like a, a speaker, like a, bo- a great Bose speaker, but it, it can act as your home, how do you call it, uh, home assistant if you want, or Google mm-hmm. Assistant or Alexa, whichever you prefer. The sound is insane, just like with every Bose product. Uh, I absolutely love the sound. I... I received it and got disappointed though because there was no auxiliary input for jacks, jack, hmm. mic, jack plug. But then I was like, how many times do I actually need a jack plug? <laughs> and I realized yeah, it's not that often. Yeah. <laughs> Even if I go through the Bluetooth because it's on Wi-Fi or on Bluetooth. Um, so I was like, you know what? That might be okay. Quick hack. If you want to buy those things, always look for refurbished ones. They're the same, but they're like $100, $150 cheaper. <laughs> and then you're like, well, voila, we don't need to wait for Black yeah. Friday. If you listen to uh, this podcast on the Clever app, we'll have all those things linked out as well. Oh, really? <laughs> for real? Wow. Uh, I, I mean, since we're talking about things over $100, now, I'll tell you what I bought that I really love lately. Your it's MacBook that air Pro. purifier <laughs> from Lavoid. No, no, no. This, this air Lavoid? purifier, it's, it's like... It's like $200. You can buy it on Amazon or Best Buy. It was like $220. No, it's $220 on sale. Um, but I think it's just that price on Amazon now. Maybe it was like $190 by the time I bought it. And it's, it's an it's a air filter, mm-hmm. but it's smart. It connects to your Wi-Fi. Um, and um, it's just really quiet. It like knows when to turn it up because it can detect the PMI, mm-hmm. like the amount of particles in the air. And I don't know. It's just like, an amazing quiet um do you feel a difference air filter because do you feel like the air is not clear i mean you have a your house is well, new so i two ma- imagine there is a lot of uh what well aside from the house being new and the dust settling we do have two cats and that's sitting right next to you can't see off screen sitting right next to okay. the um the the cat litter so <laughs> it is yeah definitely <laughs> so help helpful yeah i always wondered yeah. like People say the air is cleaner outside than inside the house, which I completely understand. Uh, but it's it's always very surprising. And we we moved uh, recently. Maybe very few of you know, uh, unless you've watched a few recent videos where I mentioned it. But so now we're in like kind of a house, and we're renting. And this has been so much like the house makes zero sense. Like the construction of the house does not make sense in my mind at all. Especially because I'm an engineer by training. I'm like, <laughs> nothing makes sense here. The walls aren't really flat. They aren't really like, they're, they're a little crooked. They have an angles. Uh, like pe- people like put boards in like random places for n- apparently no reason. There's like nails in places that I'm like, this house is very, cha- it's very much challenging my, <laughs> my, or 
organized mind uh, around this, you know. Um, yeah. But it also made me realize the like the air that goes in and out. I don't, you don't always understand how it flows in your house if you didn't build the house or if you're not into the system. And I think it's just very important to to keep it flowing from outside in. But you're in California, so you can open your windows. Here it's it's like around zero right now uh, Celsius, so <laughs> it got cold. Uh, yeah, it's not. Yeah, well, ours is open most of the time. Um, I've also been thinking about installing like a, an exhaust system mm -hmm. um, so that it further pulls and draws in air from the outside. Oh, um, yeah. Throughout the yeah, day, because yeah. it's supposed to be very efficient cooling for the house. Yes. Yeah, for sure, especially yeah. if you open your windows at night. I mean, if you go to the south of France, it gets really hot, but no one has AC ever. And you walk in the house, it's very cool. Yeah. Which always makes me. Uh, think that the construction of houses here in the u.s is not it's not very efficient to say the least <laughs> but yeah, to say the least this is a topic i could go way way too far into yeah i was just about to go into another topic about how, why the homes here because i actually wondered why the homes here are built with wood and not stone or with concrete uh and Do i actually you know got why? my answer yeah it's because of earthquakes is it but yeah, what about at least in, for this in, region in the midwest midwest there's a lot more brick um, I don't know about Chicago, but at least where Michigan I'm from, there are a lot more bricks and mm. stone homes where it's uh, it's more efficient. Um, it has better insulation. Yeah, uh, especially the old but, buildings. But, but, but I feel like the new buildings, but, they just like use plywood and then like a, a thin layer oh, yeah, no matter what. But here's the interesting thing, right? So when they built this house, they had sealed off every single floor. Um, like all the wiring that runs through the floors, they actually sealed those holes. Mm -hmm. And... It's like a good thing and a bad thing, right? It's a good thing in the sense that in, their, in the way they designed it, they were thinking, oh, like we're going to prevent bugs from traveling across floors, yeah, right? Or moisture or anything, really. Um, but the bad thing is then your house is sealed. Hmm. It is literally like all the outer walls, like the, the, the outlets behind the yeah. wall, they're actually all sealed. Um, and so then you don't have good airflow. You, oh. And so if mold starts growing, let's say there is a water leak, mold actually just becomes pervasive in there it doesn't there's no way to air it out to you know dry out the area really quickly unless you so, open all the windows like exactly so like okay. all but but sometimes you don't know if it's you know wet behind the walls and so long story short this is the thing with um everything i've learned in life um there's just no right answer <laughs> like if it's too sealed it's bad it's not sealed it's bad it's like there's just no right answer there's no it's, absolute truth on a lot of things well, speaking of living in houses, do you think uh, how long before we're all living in virtual worlds? And like literally you wake up and, and you go to your virtual metaverse thing because art is going virtual right now, right? We, yeah. We're seeing it happen with NFTs. We'll talk about more into other podcasts, but um, what, what's your, how, how much have you looked into that? Especially because you're in your startup now. I mean, it's an interesting question because... In many ways, you know, as a video gamer, in some ways, you know, myself, um, I don't watch TV, I don't watch sports, but if I do have downtime, I do enjoy a video game here or there. Uh, the video games that we have available to us these days are so immersive. You know, Red Dead Redemption, uh, God of War, Horizon Zero Dawn. You know, these are these are expansive worlds, right? Yeah. Uh, that are open world. There's no loading screen. There's nothing. You're literally just a character running around in this massive world. Um, and then bef even before this, World of Warcraft, right? One of the biggest, I think in my opinion, metaverses. Um, 
before even metaverse became a thing or oh, popular. Oh, of Warcraft. I remember like my parents or like all parents were super afraid of their kids playing that because it was so, they would get sucked into it. Exactly. Yeah. And so, I mean, my view on it is it's already kind of there. It's just, is it enticing enough for you to stay in it? Hmm. Right. Um, is it just something that like, you know, Second Life back in the mid 2000s, um, had tried something like this and second life ended up just turning into a like a like a porn site right because did it everybody on there were yeah because everybody all the kind of vendors in second life were just porn sites that, oh, that's what i heard um and so and so the, the world was just populated by <laughs> porn. well yeah reflection <laughs> of the world <laughs> yeah and so in like that sense like really want <laughs> Yeah, in that sense, like that, that, that would have been one of the earliest iterations of it. Um, and so I, I think what's more interesting and what's more media is NFTs. And, and hmm. you actually gave me the best use cases for NFTs when we were talking about it before. And that aside from just it, you know, allowing, you know, Web 3.0, allowing people to own um, assets, right, own property on the web, it actually uh, can be used as a form of just transaction. Right. When yeah. you're talking about art, how often is it traded? Right. Let's say you sell one of your, your photos, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's statistically it's not gonna be traded that much. In comparison to like a Gary V conference ticket, mm-hmm. right? That is brilliant. Like that is using NFT in a way where it's um, it not only has value, can increase in value, but it's transactional. I actually was my one of my friends, uh, a classmate called me this week, wanted to talk about this and he had this crazy idea. Uh, and I'll, I don't know if I can share it, but <laughs> but it's around NFTs and um, and games. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Well, there is a lot of application NFTs and games they're already working on. So where you would have objects that you that you get that's basically an NFT, and that object is transferable across different games and being reused and resold, and you're basically creating a an a marketplace that's not linked to necessarily just a game it can be several games uh yeah what is it called again um this is the crypto kitties like the first iteration no 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 no. the big game that's that's going on uh it is fortnite no i'll i'll link it below no it's it's web 3.0 game fully oh got it and it is um i'll it will come back later but basically, everything is built around uh, Web 3.0. People can go find objects, resell them as NFTs to other people. Because when you think about it, if you've played Diablo 2 or whatever, um, yeah. you would go on runs to actually find rare objects, right? But that rare object mm-hmm. was with you. And if you died or if you got, it got lost or whatever, that's fine. But also, it wouldn't it wouldn't go much further than it wasn't very disco- that, that discoverable. That is exact example. That is exact example I used when I was talking to him about it. I was just saying, yeah. like when I play Diablo, like I don't actually own anything yeah. that I collect, right? Exactly. Like, and it's not transferable to anything else. And like, why not? Yeah. <laughs> you know why can't it? I yeah. I, I spent all this time, you know, uh, in, in the in the gaming geek words of you know uh farming for <laughs> for things right but i don't get to keep it um, yeah and if you resell it to another one that that you can never convert that currency back to something you can use in the real world 
Whereas yeah. with tokens, with NFT, you can, because now there is those like exchanges that exist and you can be like, uh, oh, it's called Access Infinity, the game. You can mm. check it out. It's, um, so you, you could technically, you can actually trade the token from Access Infinity and, and get USD for it, right? Or Ethereum or Bitcoin or whatever you want. So people actually make a living with the game, becoming in a way farmers or like runners or whatever you want to call them in different games for that or like growing characters and reselling. It's fascinating in a way. Um, but what I really love also and what I always talk about when it comes to NFT is also uh, transferring or like creating just like all the property titles that we have around so many things can actually just be a simple smart contract that is passed on on the NFT world and that doesn't need lawyers doesn't need attorneys doesn't need you buy your house you know for example you could buy it as a smart contract and that's it you you wouldn't need to go through all the the troubles of you probably know like signing was like this and that and doing going to that bureau and that bureau and and etc it could literally be taking like five seconds and everything's aligned and, and built into that's my contract um yeah so i i think it's an interesting word now when are we going to become fully integrated with the metaverse? I don't know. Part of me is very, not anti, but I'm like, nah, not interested. And another part of me is also super curious. So I, I don't know if you've heard, I mean, but Facebook is changing name. Yeah, yeah, to Meta. Yeah, I read about it this morning, actually. Such, to, <laughs> such um, a good PR move. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, I was reading about it this morning, too, but uh, on someone just kind of hating on it, but... Um, but they're also, it's interesting, right? Facebook also launched their, uh, new service called, oh shoot, what is it called? Um, it's tied to their, their live service. Let me find it real quick. Someone was asking me about this the other day. It's called super.events. Oh, that's what a is website. That? Um, it's like, they're trying to build into, you know, ultimately their AR strategy, right? Their augmented reality, VR, yeah. virtual reality strategy where, um, they allow, let's say you as a creator, as an influencer, um, to be on stage for a live Q&A, a, a mm -hmm. virtual stage for live Q&A. And then your audience members can join you on the call and whatnots, and then they can also take photos with you virtually <laughs> <laughs> and stuff like that. It's called super.events. You, you can check it out afterwards. But, um, but I think it's going to happen. When, when it does happen, if and when it happens, it's going to happen very quickly. Yeah. It's going to happen like, be, you know, it's going to be very seamless. Mm -hmm. And I think it'll happen when AR becomes very mainstream. Okay. And I know that's a big hardware push for Apple and, and Facebook, right, is the AR uh, space. And once hmm. that goes, then it becomes mainstream, kind of like how, you know, smartphones have become ubiquitous for us. Yeah. Then the step to, you know, towards a, a metaverse will be very seamless. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm I'm curious to to see how how that's gonna work. But th there's a lot happening on that space, and I feel like uh, it's evolving super fast. Probably way faster than we can follow as one yeah. individual. So it's yeah. I don't know. It's it's way too fast for me. I feel like an old man after a week. <laughs> you're like looking <laughs> at it one week, and you'll get another week, and you're like, but I thought it was like that, <laughs> and it already changed. Uh, quick break. Yeah. Sean, you have a call now? Uh, yes. All right. Welcome back, Sean. We had to take a little bathroom break for 
two and a half days uh, for you to go pitch. <laughs> <laughs> How did your pitch go with the uh, Techstars? It went really well. It was a uh, pitch to Techstars Music Group, um, and it was just a great experience overall. You won't know more, guys. That's it. That's great experience. Oh, I mean, I, I could sh <laughs> I, I could share more in that sense that uh, people are interested. In the sense that you know we're the, the audience that we were pitching to were you know, executives from the music companies like Sony Music Group, Warner Music Group, and you know other music labels, Amazon Music. The only one that wasn't there was Spotify. Hmm. Surprising. <laughs> Not <laughs> considering they have their own things going on. Um, but yeah. it's exciting. So obviously, uh, Sean, you were pitching Clever that we we just talked about. I'm going back to our mm -hmm. little notes that we had, like as to what we could discuss. Um, and I wanna, I wanna dive into one very, uh, very shortly in a way, but it's a deep topic. Some of us listening might be or might become in the future or have been dads or moms. And I'm kind of curious for a big reason because you're an entrepreneur, you're doing your own thing, you're kind of at home. So you don't go places because of COVID. Actually, you're probably one of my friends who stayed the longest at home and all of my friends. Um, so how do you manage like how, how do you manage dad life with being an entrepreneur? Especially I struggle a lot when it comes to scheduling because part of me feels not guilty, but like almost could feel guilty that I could spend more time. And the other, because I have a free schedule, like all like floating schedule. And um, yeah, there, there's so much. Uh, I'm wondering, like, have you found a, a recipe? Yeah, yeah. I think the, it was advice that I got from a, a buddy of mine who's also a dad, um, a new dad. And he's, you know, has a, a packed schedule as well. And he lives by his calendar. And so I, I guess for someone like me who lives and dies by my calendar, the um the best way to do it was just to schedule events in so mm. we have this we have gym time twice a week or just him and i i'll drive him to this local like kids gym and then you know that's our time together or i'll drop him off at school and i'll block those times out so that no matter what nothing can come during those time or time to put him to bed um so just i think scheduling things in my calendar and blocking times out is is a great way for me and i think Psychologically, though, the biggest challenge is just is overcoming that guilt that, you know, I'm not spending enough time with him um, because now he's, you know, getting older and he's more responsive. He's less of a baby. He's more of a, a human An being. adult. <laughs> yeah. And Full grown adult in to, just six months. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just fun to, to interact with them uh, more and more. And so... Yeah, I, I think it's still a struggle. That's probably one of my biggest struggles as an entrepreneur is balancing it out with fatherhood. But I also just accept that nothing's going to be perfect and that you there is no, like, there'll never be enough time hmm. to spend with somebody. You'll always feel like you're coming short. I mean, even as a friend, right? Yeah. To Between you and I, it'll never be like, oh, I've spent enough time with Pierre. No, we Except did. You, unless we, we did. hang out for a month. <laughs> <laughs> Except we hang out for a month. There was this time, Sean. We remember. That was in Taiwan. Sean and no, I, like went, that, that's, went I, I went to work, work slash uh, enjoy time in Taiwan uh, on the East Coast. And we just chilled there for a month. And I was coding. You were reading tons of books and chatting with people. And yeah, after a while, we're like, okay, we need to see other people now. 
<laughs> but uh but yeah you, you never have enough time with people mm, that's a good point so. i i feel like um i actually heard something I, when you just talked about it it reminded me of something another entrepreneur whose whose daughter is like 20 plus years old told me uh, i shared one of the advice with you which was like get interested in what they are interested in not the contrary if you want to build a relationship don't expect them to be interested in what you are but also he mentioned that spending time also ebbs and flows through life and there is periods he's like and he's like high level entrepreneur i would say involved in so many things um he's like sometimes i would spend a, a year off i would take a year off because i just wanted to spend time with with my daughter you know and stuff and there was another time where uh he his wife would you know or they would make one of their flexible way more flexible than the other but it depends and it and it changed over time you know it's not always the same it's it changes maybe sean you're gonna get really into spending time with your your son in, in two years you know and you're gonna take a year off and you guys are gonna backpack through india <laughs> I'm, joking. I'm joking yeah <laughs> uh but uh, never know yeah but what he was mentioning is that it's it's it, it's not consistent you know it doesn't have to be a schedule day by day for forever it, it's a thing and I, I guess that's where the pain comes from, where you're in the moment. You're like, oh, maybe, maybe not. I mean, for me personally, you know, I'm like, and then you feel guilty if you leave too much of the responsibility on the other also. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, I, but I, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, 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 a, it's always a work in progress as with most things in life. And I think just having, giving yourself grace is the most important thing that yeah. I've had to learn and relearn. Yeah. And then the other thing is just that, you know, like, the kid's going to turn out fine for the most part. I mean, with, I'm not, you know, I, I can't speak <laughs> for everybody, like, but just beat I, them think, up, I think they'll for, be fine. <laughs> I think for, I think for, like, people who, you know, speaking for ourselves, you know, with very privileged, you know, situations in the sense that we have family nearby, you know, we have just from um, the countries we we they they, grew, they live they were born in, just that is a huge advantage exactly. in life. Just just the uh, just the what they call the, the the sperm lottery, right? Like just the fact <laughs> that you're born in this country, and um, yeah, I they they, and I think just our mentality, mm-hmm. our family situations, and how you know we spend time with them, how we talk to them, yeah. right? Because financially, again, I feel very fortunate, um, and. It's like, this is not to say like, you know, people who have it worse have it harder, but in many ways, like, we definitely don't have it that hard yeah, <laughs> compared to a lot of people in the world. Oh, so, And absolutely. their kids turn out fine, you know? Yeah. Sometimes adversity helps build stronger characters, but I don't know if that's something I would wish anyway, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, but see, it's interesting to say that because that's what we wouldn't want you know we something we wouldn't wish for our kids Mm -hmm. right but going back to your earlier point it's not about what we want yeah you know it's what they're going to have to face and deal with in life naturally so well there's two concepts that have been challenged challenging me in a way recently which was uh, it was around philosophy and and one was from sam harris and he was talking about the fact that we don't have a choice and that we have an illusion of choices right that our mind tries to make up reason as to why we decided on something when at the end of the day, if you go back to the source of your thought, 
you never chose your thought. <laughs> it just came. It appeared. Your thoughts appear. You don't decide which one should appear and which one should not because the moment you decide which one should not, it's that's a thought in itself, right? So it's almost like your choices are made, but you don't know by what. You can call it God, the universe, whatever consciousness, whatever expanded. Uh, but your thought is made and you don't actually really decide. If you want to make an experiment, if you're listening and you don't, you don't get the concept, just think of three movies and try to remember how you chose those, how, how the first movies came to your mind. Did you decide on how they should come to your mind? Did you decide on what movie would come to your mind? You know, so you're like, okay, I picked three movies. And then you're like, wait, why, why did, for example, Jurassic Park came first, you know? Why not Alien? Or why not another movie? Or why did a movie I never seen came to my mind? There's so many uh, interesting things happening without us understanding it or like even being aware of it. Or you can be aware that it's just happening. It, it's just is happening, you know? So a little illusion of control in a way, I find. All that to say, Sean, we're doing our best. <laughs> in the present moment, there's nothing else but our best that we are doing at every single second or moment. Moment to moment, we are always doing the best we can with what we know and what we, we decided on. <laughs> Sean froze. <laughs> but, but, but no, I froze because there, 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 there has to be some element of choice involved, right? And what I mean by that, you can choose to live in the past. For example, you can yeah. choose to live in the past, present, or the future. Can um, you? And that is a choice. Hmm? How, how do you choose? It's, it's an active choice. Like, do I want to live in the future? Like for some people, they live in the future and future is typically mm -hmm. um, either living in the future is very stressful for me, for example, because it's, there's a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. Right. Um, but I can choose to live in the future in the sense that like, you know, I, I can, I want to keep worrying about what's going to happen next. Like, I was talking to someone who is hyper paranoid about COVID and, you know, they, Still? Um, they're constantly worried about, <laughs> yeah. well, they're constantly worried about how they're going to, how they could get sick. Right. Mm. So that to me, that is someone living in the future. Um, the possibility of getting sick. Mm -hmm. Right. And then there are people that do choose to live in the past, right. Where they're clinging on to things like they hang on to things and like they can't let go. And right. They feel like, um, They live in the past. And then and there are people that live in the present, which is what we strive to do. Um, and I think it is a choice. It is absolutely a choice. I, I don't know. I don't know. Because if you ask anyone, hey, do you want to have very thoughtful, stressful thoughts that will keep you up all night and will make you have a miserable life and not travel and not see people? What do you think the answer would be? It would be no, but if they don't realize that they have a choice. So there, there's, I think this, this, this is a key distinction. There's like, there's a realization that you have a choice. And I think a lot of people don't realize they have a choice. Mm -hmm. Because once you realize that you have a choice, once you have, once you have awareness, I mean, this, this, this is talking about awareness. What is the point of awareness? Awareness yeah. is to give you a choice, in my opinion. If you don't have awareness, then you don't know that you have choices. Yeah. Right. And then you just kind of do But how did those choices you know, happen to you? That's the question. That's where they take it to level those further. Choices comes, how, what, did, I yeah. mean, how do those choices come to you? Everything Appear. comes to you as, <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a precedent. I mean, I think what Sam is getting at is that everything is building off of something, right? Uh, like, let's say the fear of the future, right? Mm -hmm. It's building off of something from the past, like some knowledge that you obtain. But, so in many ways yes in the grand scheme of things maybe you don't have a choice 
um, as to what information you come in contact with, right? Yeah. Uh, that you ultimately receive, but you do have a choice as to what you expose yourself to. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know if I completely agree with that. I mean, sure, you can say like you don't have a choice in the sense that like you didn't have a choice at the, you know, there's a big bang and like all this shit happened and like you're here today, <laughs> like you yeah. know, uh, your parents, you know, met and they did all these things and then now you're here. Yeah, I didn't have a choice around that. Um, but as long as I'm alive, within the universe of things in my life, yes, right, I do feel like that are under my purview. I do have a choice, and and I think that's. I think it's like I think the key thing is like, does that choice matter? Do, do my choices matter? No, on the grand scheme of things, none of my choices matter. But for me personally, you know, even this, even if it's illusion of choice, it does matter. It does impact where my focus is and how I will live my life. Yeah, so th- that's why it's so interesting. I agree with you on that. We have a choice when it comes to when we're presented with options, right now the question and that's where it goes it's like you know it's like the ground floor is you're being served different options and you choose that's where you have awareness of those options right you're on the ground floor now what what is below the ground floor how do those options actually come up to you you know that's a field that i I, in my experience you have zero control over meaning you can never dictate what should come next as a thought or as an option for a choice for example you can never dictate that try like try to choose two books and try to choose your choices for books yeah but 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 when you take take the movie example right this is where yeah. like I, I get where sam harris is going with this but what is the like what is the purpose of that thought experiment right sure because That's it a is question. a thought experiment in of itself like where where does it get you mm-hmm. um does it make you feel helpless and, you know, feel like life is futile because, you know, uh, because you have no choice in this life? Um, but, like, going back to the movie example, what I want to say is that, like, I come up with a list of movies because I ultimately did choose to, you know, watch or not watch certain movies. And yeah. it's hard for me to come up with movies because, for example, I don't watch that many movies. I don't watch TV that much. So. Yeah. I actually, the only movie that came to my mind was like Terminator for some random reason. But I, I get your point. Like, how did that come to be? Like, who? But that's that, that, the only it, movie I could think of. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> that, that's a beautiful part. It's like, Sean, it's like we program the computer. And when you type in the terminal, a comment, right? The thing would just come up randomly versus you program the computer. So you know what sequence it's going to be using to determine what convincer it's going to give you, right? But here, it's almost like it, it taps into something that you have no awareness about until it comes to your awareness. Well, well, that, but that's, that's the thing. But that's, I think, with any... I mean, if we We're going look deep. into how the brain works... <laughs> I mean, we look into how the brain works. I mean, this is what Pierre and I talk about all the time in these <laughs> conversations. If we, if we look into how the brain works, like everything... If we look at how computers work, how just the brain works, everything is, is a relational graph, right? That's why like uh, graphical databases is like a huge thing these days for machine learning. Um, it's about degrees of separation, degrees of relation. And there's a huge aspect, how we, how we are designed, in my opinion, as human beings is there's uh, obviously recency bias, right? Mm-hmm. That's a huge factor in things. Like how recent was this thing in your mind? And so the connection to that link yeah. is probably the closest thing in your brain or just happens to be, you know, time of day or where you're at. 
And sure, you don't have the choice as to when you think about something time of day, but I don't, I still don't understand what he's trying to get at. Um, I, I think it, I, I mean, what it, is the purpose it, of making that statement? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's very vulgar for me to try to uh, sum up like probably two and a half hours of, of, <laughs> of thoughts around that into a, a five minute explanation. But I think what he's trying to come at is simply understanding that there is, um, there's a field that just that just is that you don't really that your awareness is, cannot ac- access in a way that your field of awareness is is like is like limited to your field of view but just because you're looking it's like you're looking at a landscape right John just because you're looking straight doesn't mean there is nothing behind you right and so once the cloud comes into your field of view it doesn't mean the clouds didn't exist before, right? The cloud came from somewhere else, but you never looked that way before. And then you can you can actually take the quantum physics with string theory where they're like, well, actually, there might be multiple dimensions where you put a cat <laughs> in a box, you close the box. Does a cat exist? Until you open the box, actually, the cat doesn't exist in this dimension, right? In a way. Because you don't have any knowledge of is there a cat in the box until you open that box. I mean, the cat might meow, uh, make sounds and stuff, but <laughs> that's that's besides the the point. But again, what what is the the purpose? Like, what was his purpose of sharing this? Like, what is the? I mean, th- this is where like with philosophy I think it's, and it's, some things like it's thought provoking and just trying to have people uh, chill on thinking they have control over everything mm. because we have an illusion. Of okay, control. that makes sense. That context makes sense because. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're they're just taken broadly. I think a better analogy would be just because this is such a deep, multi-layered thought, right? About oh, control and thoughts. I think a better yeah, analogy would be like there's so much stuff happening in the world right now at this second that you have you know nothing about that sure. may have some kind of impact into your life, right? Because let's say you know some when you think back to World War II, like some guy got assassinated, right, on a bridge, mm-hmm. and then like it's like boom, like that affected a whole chain of events that affected like millions of people globally. And right? your family, <laughs> your family is who it is because of that event. I mean, part it, it, in part, thanks to that event, Yeah, you know, but exactly. yeah, I, so I think like, we're going a little deep here. Uh, and there is no definite answer. I feel on those, but it's good to question. You know, I think it's important to question just like the guy who lives in the future and he's like really worried um, I shared with you that recently, Sean, uh, called The Work by Byron Katie, where you just basically question things a little bit. And um, I think it, it's good to question and understand why we believe the lies we tell ourselves, you know, and do this mm. serve a purpose in a way. Is, is it really true? I, well, well, we can right. talk about that a little bit later when I've practiced it way more and integrated it. But I feel like it can be a very freeing, actually, uh, experience so yeah <laughs> uh i want to jump on the on a totally different thing here uh sean recently you were presented by a, a really good opportunity to get into the vc world if i'm correct and uh financially it sounded amazing on paper it's probably what every single mba wants and uh you probably thought you wanted it maybe for a while <laughs> what how did how did you decide to say no to a job that was maybe you can share numbers like or a range just to give people an idea but that was extremely well paying and um that had security in a way and was really well perceived yeah uh i mean 
you're talking about the the job in finance, you know, mm-hmm. um, six figure, three hundred over three hundred k, you know, salary jobs, base salary, um, <laughs> yeah, with with you know potential other benefits and fringe benefits and um, upsides, especially I think for the investment world. And I think it was a personal decision in the sense that it's, and again, this this is just from my perspective. I think I've gotten so used to working for myself that. Um, just the thought of working 12 to 14 hours for somebody else, um, I realized I'd rather work for myself for those hours because I, I know I can do it because I've been doing it. So it was easy for me to, to say that part, at least get that out of the way. Hmm. Um, but more so, I don't see anything wrong with the investment world or the VC world because it's, you know, with entrepreneurship is two sides of the same coin, right? You yeah. need both sides. You need the investors. You need the entrepreneur. Um, it's just that I think for me personally, I felt like I wanted to create things and build things still. I wanted to solve problems. Not to say that investors are not solving problems. They're just doing it more reactively. Mm-hmm. What do I mean by that? Well, they're not actively like pursuing a problem. But some are actually. Some VCs are in terms of the uh, like they're investing in sustainability and things like that. But for, for the most part, you're reacting to what is the problem that an entrepreneur is solving, mm, right? Yeah. It's like, I, I want to invest in this field versus like the entrepreneur is like, what is the problem? What is the root problem? And I'm going to go try to figure out how to solve this yeah. problem. So that's more of a proactive approach, in my opinion. Um, and so it was just this proactive versus reactive kind of personality decision. And I think my head, I still wanted to be proactively solving problems. Mm-hmm. Um, do I want to switch the other side somewhere down the line? Yes, I probably will. Because I, because then it's not a question of proactive or reactive. Then for me, how I would frame it in my head would be um, scale and impact, right? Because the beauty of being an entrepreneur is I can be proactive, but the downside is the potential impact is less, yeah. potentially. Because as a VC, as an investor, you're investing in a lot of companies, right? You're betting on a lot of horses. And so your investments, your, your support, right? Your advisory, your mentorship um, would be just you know, exponentially more impactful potentially. Yeah, because you impact a company so, that impacts people. Right. Interesting. Um, so you, yeah, that's that's how I think about it. Do you have tools <laughs> that you go through when you make those kind of decisions? Like, or is it like you take two hands and you're like option A, option B, and you just sit and look at them? I don't know if I have tools. I definitely, I trust. I I just look look inside. You know, I meditated on it a lot, mm-hmm. um, and then I see, and I trust my gut a lot. And I think these days, I feel like people don't have the time to look inward enough, check with their gut, yeah. right, to check like, what are you feeling? Um, and then just going with that feeling and being okay with your own feelings. Because, and maybe going back to Sam Harris's thing, maybe this is where like, this, this is accurate. Like you don't have control of things, but I think, it, but maybe you don't have control because you don't know all, everything that's going on in your inner workings, right? Yeah. How decisions are being made because as a you know, say in psychology, like your your consciousness, your id is only like the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like one of my favorite posters. Like you have this iceberg and like your consciousness is just a tip. And then like the rest of it, you have no idea what's going on supposedly. Um, and, and people say we don't, we only use 10, 15% of our brain actively. But I think that's, in my opinion, false. I think we're using 100% of our brain all the time. So we're not aware of it. <laughs> yeah. And there's just multiple ways to use something, you know? Yeah. It's like the 32 gigs of RAM that I just bought on my Mac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can use 100% of it for for nothing if you wanted to. 
yeah. just let it run yeah. really fast <laughs> to stream videos <laughs> of, of whatever you want to do you know or you can try yeah. to solve uh, complex problems but i guess as i'm thinking more about your question i think it's a really good question because what are some other considerations that i had to make mm -hmm. one big one was financial yeah. Right. I had to look at my finances, my family finances and say, like, can we afford to do this? And if so, for how long? Yeah. And the most successful entrepreneurs I've come across and interviewed have told me kind of the same story. They looked at their fi like family financial situation and they said, all right, if I were to going to do this and take this risk, I can do this for six months. We can do this for 12 months. Right. And that is the time span I'm going to give myself. Mm hmm. And that's actually exactly what I did. I said, you know, I'm going to give myself 12 months based on our kind of financial situation at the time. And that was in, um, that decision was made in June. Okay. And so I had until June of this year. And I think setting that boundary was really, really important in what I wanted to make sure that, you know, the milestones that I hit, mm -hmm. that I get to um, in terms of revenues or, you know, um, stability of the business and things like that versus I'll tell you the stories that I've interviewed and heard of entrepreneurs who've failed and not only failed, but felt like they wasted or they not wasted. They spent a lot more time than they should have on a business, mm, right? They'd spent four to five years on a business yeah. and it never went anywhere. And it was both a financial detriment and just a, I think morale, like a moral, mm. Um, morale detriment yeah yeah and part of that is what i didn't hear from them was they did not set you know a timeline say this is the time the limit that i'm going to give myself they're just like i'm just going to try to do this until it's successful hmm. no <laughs> definitely don't do that i see that that's i i love that because then it also removes a lot of pressure from turning down another opportunity, right? Because you're like, mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not saying no for life that I have to <laughs> do this or die. You know, it's not do or die. It's try, reevaluate mm -hmm. in a year. Are you making progress? Did you hit your milestone? If yes, no. Mm -hmm. If no, by how far are you out? And then, uh, and then uh, get back to it. Hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's that whole like um, Seth Godin thing about you know the dip, right? Oh, it's great book. I I think being a good entrepreneur is also knowing when to quit because think about it if if you don't set any kind of parameter, mm -hmm. then it's going to be really hard to quit something because you're like, oh, maybe maybe just the next day or the next month we're going to turn the corner and figure out this business. Yeah. Right. And that's the beauty of of doing clever as a venture backed startup versus me me bootstrapping business before is because we actually have a literal timeline, which is yeah. the amount of cash we have in the bank. Yes. <laughs> you know, that we have fundraised. Um and I remember when, when I think about, you know, when you're doing uh vlogging very early on, I remember you were pretty intentional about, yeah. you know, doing XYZ for a year, you know, um and then you, you set this new goals like then you had to Right, that the the twelve by twelve, you know, uh, world tour with Trina, it was like that had a, you know a beginning and end, and that that's actually now as I'm talking through this, I realized I remember someone giving this advice is that everything should have a beginning and end, mm -hmm. uh, because um, just like a just like a subscription doesn't mean you can't renew it, but you should set like an end. Um, yeah, and I forgot why. Should we do <laughs> so that with the with the marriage also? Not not in a bad way, but almost like <laughs> no, no, okay, no. recommit. Are you still yeah. are you still as committed to the relationship as you were when 
on five, ten years ago. I think that's a great idea. We should pioneer that. <laughs> if nobody's, no, I, I don't it. think we. I don't think we're pioneering this. I'm pretty sure this. This is the kind of thing that comes from my unconscious field of stuff I've heard, uh, where people recommitted. I don't know, re got remarried or re-expressed their vows mm -hmm. to make sure, just like, hey, do we still want to work on this together? Um, yeah. Doesn't that or like both therapy do that in a way? Yeah, maybe. But mm -hmm. I, I really like that idea because. Again, you know, uh, what I what I you know always disliked about marriage was this false sense of security, right? Just that like a this job. thing. <laughs> yeah, just like a good job. Like everything is like it's you know it's it's um it's permanent. Yeah. Right. This idea that things have permanence, and I think permanence that word is the biggest illusion because nothing is permanent. It's the biggest driver um, of stress in this world. Yeah. That nothing is permanent, nothing is guaranteed. So, hmm. yeah, I, I think that's a good. Uh, well, I, I I like your process. I, I honestly like your thought process when you're like going through difficult situations, and and we've we've talked a lot about different stages in your life. And I love that you actually take the time to really sit with that question and and like how does it resonate inside. Because I feel like it's very easy to go both ways or where you're either going too analytical, you know, literally you're going to put a spreadsheet with plus or minus points for each decision, which can help. Um, but if one still doesn't sit with you when you're sitting down and, and or you're taking your shower and, and you're still you're dreading a little bit that decision, then it might simply mean that this is not the one that's meant for for that situation. And I don't know. I believe in more like frictionless versus friction, you know. It has happened with like projects that I felt so much friction about and I said yes to it. And then the timeline came like, and I'm like, no, I'm not, I can't do this. <laughs> so then I, I changed the timeline and it seems a lot less um, frictionless. But actually the new timeline is coming up and I still feel a little bit that friction. But that might be my procrastination also. So <laughs> that might be a balance of things. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's so important. Like it's almost a, something we should teach kids how to make decisions. Like how do you feel good about your decisions? How do you make the decisions that you don't regret in the sense that oh, I should have done that? Like, you know, don't go back to that thought. Like it's not a question of should. The reality is you did. Now what do you do? You know, next moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. But yeah, that's how I make some of these difficult decisions. I mean, I obviously talk through it with friends and family to talk through it with you, just having people that you trust to just bounce ideas off of. Right. Yeah. And then committing to yourself for a limited amount of time and then being persistent. Uh, yeah. The limited amount of time is, is, is good. I mean, I, I see it with Kaima, my first uh, business in a way or like startup. Um, I didn't really have the time and I kept shifting and, It was very self-rewarding because I was coding and that's something that's very easy to get trapped into where you just keep coding and coding. But then you're like, okay, the business isn't going where it was supposed to go. So either take actions or change, you know, but it took me three years to change, but I did <laughs> eventually, you know, <laughs> it's one of those yeah. things. That's awesome. Sean, I think, okay. I think we're going to have um, a second round of those discussions in probably like uh, a few months where we can uh, look back on it and uh, get into other 
topics maybe people have some questions feel free to drop them in the comments on the clever app because it's supported right yes you can now comment on the podcast wow amazing um i'm actually excited for that not that i want to have more engage not i like engagement it's just impossible to track after after some while so we're gonna that's one of the challenges we're uh, looking to figure out how to help you moderate and help you Uh, just make that process easier. One of the things I mentioned in the interview Mm. that I just did was, can we pull in different sources, right? So that's, it's one place or we can deliver it all to you in one place and to manage your community. Yeah. Because I feel like it can be very quickly up into spam, uh, floods, you know, floods. We'll see how it goes, but I'm, I'm excited anyways for, for clever. I'm excited for the, the podcast to be restarting. I've had uh, I've recorded with a few guests now, so it's going to be interesting. And and I've if I have a bunch more that are listed, I'm reaching out to 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 get them on. And uh, hopefully, you guys will get a ton of value, like you got for the first fifty-five episodes. I think so. Um, exciting, Woo. Sean. Are you ready for the next session? Maybe your app will have billions I of am. downloads, or just I, a I thousand. I will be ready. Either or way, just, or just me. Using it every day. I'll be ready either way. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) That's the beautiful thing about life. No matter what your business does, you're still there. (laughs) Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Sean, thank you so much. Where should people find you? Do you want to send them somewhere? Yeah. If you want to find us for the Clever app, just go to Get Clever FM, Instagram or Twitter, or go to clever.fm, the website. Uh, Just HTTPS forward slash clever.fm. Everyone, see you in the next one. Before you go, quick question. Would you like to receive twice a month for free my top five email? It's an email that I craft with love and passion in which I share what inspired me recently, books and film that had an impact on me, but also things I've been thinking about, gear, tips, and photos that I absolutely love. If that resonates with you, if you want to peek into that universe, please join thousands of other readers. Sign up for free at ptl.fm forward slash top five. That's ptl.fm forward slash top5. Thank you so much and have a beautiful day. Remember, try something different, try something new.